Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Thanks much for being with us. Uh, was this... Uh, no, I was, was going to say, is this the last December show? It's not. There's another one. At least another one. Yeah, we have, uh, we have one more, I think. Yeah. Before Christmas. That's right. It was it was wishful thinking, I suppose. Uh, hey, man. Happy rain, guys. Yeah, that was awesome. That's huh? fun, huh? And that's the way to do it. That is. Yeah. Come in, hard-hitting rain, and then get out. Yeah. None of that lingering seven-day mist storm. I don't like this. Uh, so we had our Christmas party on Thursday night with the, yeah. our whole staff, and we were in downtown Slow. The bed of my truck is filled up with like uh, limb wood and leaves, and I'm not sure <laughs> that obviously they fell out of a tree, yeah. but, but now I'm not quite sure what to do with them. So for now, I cart them around. It was pretty windy, pretty rainy. Yeah, it's awesome, actually. Yeah, it was very cool. I like having a little storm like that. It wasn't quite Stormzilla that it was cracked up to be, did you guys think? Not really. No, I didn't. I thought it was. It was, it was going to be such bit. a big deal. Mm-hmm. San Luis uh, Unified canceled school on Friday. On Thursday, they canceled school on Friday because of power. Oh, just or flooding. Concern for safety. Why? Never know what's coming. <laughs> so just playing it safe, I okay. guess. Maybe it's just because we haven't had a good storm in so long. They were worried that people were just out of, out of storm shape. Well. I know some schools in Santa Maria had flood damage. Sure. That's a good time to cancel school. Or at least move to the other part of the campus or something. Exactly. We had snow days where I was from. So that was, you you couldn't really get there. They hadn't been able to like plow the buses a path yet. Huh. Well, heck. So um, that's exciting. The rain and then what? What's wrong, Jim? Well, I just sound funky in my headphones. Anyway, I'm just trying to figure out. You why. sound funky in my headphones too. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> a, uh, it was another another week has passed. We had some more time to learn things about the economy. I had a fun experience this week going to the uh, Home Builders Association meeting. How was that? That was the first one of those I'd ever been to. How was it? Uh it was it was cool. You know, um, the the gist of it is, is that this is like a self-organized group um, of people that rely on building. So we had, you know, there was architects, engineers, heavy equipment guys, home builders. Um, I met the gentleman, uh, I think his name was Jim, from that owns Hayward, Hayward Lumber. I believe that's right, actually. Is it? Yeah. Super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, one of those like awkward things, though, where you go to a room of 100 people and, you know, and I think I probably knew about a dozen or so of them. 
yet you're expected to like mingle and socialize and get, you know, trade business cards with people and everything. And, um, you forgot your business cards. No, I brought them. I had them. I plentiful. No, I was just going to say as I, I'm not that shy. So if I saw somebody's name tag, recognize their company or, you know, met them years past or anything like that. Of course, I, I'm not shy to hop in and talk to somebody. But one of the only people that just approached me out of nowhere was the um, Jim from Hayward Lumber and was super friendly, really cool, wow. um, struck up good conversation, you know, wanting to learn more about me, just kind of a, a cool guy. And um, so, yeah, anyway, we got this whole group of people gets together to uh, talk about um, – of course, they raise money and do things, but they talk about how they can band together and help improve the building climate, basically. Um, so it was cool. It was a good event. A few of our recent guests are active in that group. We had um, I saw Greg Nestor there. Greg Nestor. In fact, from what I hear, he's one of the people who started that local association. And then... Uh, and then Lenny Grant from RRM Design Group, who was, who's been very involved in the whole issue surrounding the San Luis Obispo Airport, uh -huh. um, developing out around there. And it just so happens that there was a um, a major success in that effort this week. Um, the Slow City Council got together this week and and voted to override the the what is it the land use and circulation. Well, they were they were moving forward with their land use and circulation element update, but one of the issues was overriding the airport land use plan. Is that what it is? Airport land use commission, um, which restricted the areas in which you could build around the airport. You and called that a success. It's a success for their effort to build out there. I was going to say you're begging a phone call if you if you start uh, deciding whether or not. Yeah, well, I you know I don't claim to be educated on the airport land use commission and and why they restrict building if it's safety last, or noise or last or what. time not we talked about this I got several phone calls and even emails at work afterwards suggesting that regardless of the little uh, power struggle that seems to be the um, airport safety commission uh, versus the city council that knows better. Um, was just merely saying that the FAA has standards in terms of um, the airport and also like fire safety and different things like that, that we're going to end up weighing in on it in a bigger way. I thought, well, I don't know enough about that to really know. Part of me believes that there should be a good buffer out there. <laughs> I've, I have seen a plane crash near an airport before. It's not a pretty thing. <clears throat> At the same time, um, growing and growing smart is something that we need to get good at everywhere. Well, if you recall, um, just about a year and a half ago, maybe maybe two, we had a plane crash right down the street. I remember that, yeah. Outside the FedEx building. It, it crashed into that FedEx truck, right? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I don't remember that. How do I not remember <laughs> it was that? It's like right, right across the street. It's right um, maybe a quarter of a mile from our studios here. <laughs> Yeah, really too close for comfort. I'm That's sure. Thank you. Scary business. I happened to be here at the time. It's like, yeah, plane crash right outside the building, basically. Yeah, I, I actually thought of that as this issue has come up. Um, 
But the other, you know, people who are against this idea think that it might restrict what the airport could become as the airport tries to grow. Sure. Um, so that's that's something to consider. But at the same well, time, there's there's always this need for more housing, more affordable housing units, and there's potential for that out there. When I was in city planning, you know, some of the studies that we had in, in terms of uh, conflicting zoning, for example, like you, so you have a farm, and then the farmer <coughs> next door wants to go on to develop his farm into actual housing. So what happens is the people. The farmer comes up, you know, and tells city council or whoever that he wishes to rezone and allow this to be housing. There's a need in the this area for housing. And um, so anyway, they have a lot of meetings. There's a lot of talk about it. A lot of energy goes into it. And, at, at, you know, one of the things is that the, uh, the local um, planners are trying to let you know that, hey, living next to a farm is really not that cool. It stinks at times. They use fertilizer. They use pesticides. There's runoff. They start work really early. Sometimes there's lots of heavy equipment. It, it goes like this Dust. all day. It's dusty. Yeah, all yeah. this. Sometimes they take a you know an unfair amount of water out of the well. It's really just the two don't enjoy a property line very well, especially those that are right on the edge, have further driven, away from the edge. Have you driven through Santa Maria in the springtime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the people all say, we understand that, obviously. It's a farm now. It's next to a farm. What we need is housing, and we want to do it. So they do it, and then sure enough, shortly thereafter, the people, especially l the charge led by the people on the the very property <laughs> line, come and say, you don't know. You guys got to shut that farm down. You don't know what it's like living next to a farm. It's stinky. It's dusty. <laughs> it's noisy. Do you know they start work at 4 a.m.? And so it's literally like... And and if if it doesn't take just weeks or months, it's the the new people that move in that missed the transition and missed how earnest the discussion was. And the same thing applies to something like this: is that you allow a bunch of development in and around too close to the airport for its noise and safety and or expansion, accommodation of bigger jets, all these things. And then eventually you like build the cast of the people that are going to come complain and say, we're part of the airport relocation commission. <laughs> this thing there. Did you guys know this is uncivilized in San Luis Obispo? There's an airport in the middle of neighborhoods and then people will be, you know what I mean? Don't forget which, which came first. Yeah. And or that some folks actually tried to keep a buffer around it you know so i mean it seems very complex to me that issue then there's yeah. obviously there's no pleasing everybody so um like i said initially whether or not you consider it a personal success it definitely was the goal of city council to get past that however um you know that what a controversial thing and i think it'll be years to come before we see something actually play out uh, but yeah, it is certainly a desire to have smart growth and infill growth. Where else are you going to put it? We're running out of real estate in San Luis Obispo of where you put the new smart growth, the workforce housing. We need skyscrapers, huh? <laughs> You're going to get shot, man. <laughs> Some 10-story skyscrapers in downtown Slow. I don't think so. No, that's not going to happen. There's some, already some tall buildings, though, yeah? Yeah. Parking structure buildings, I think, are the tallest. Yeah. I think the Anderson Hotel is still the tallest. Is it? What is that? Five stories? It's five or six stories. Yeah. 
that doesn't include anything that might be on the Cal Poly campus, but, mm. but I think it's five or six stories. Yeah, you know the greatest thing about the, the San Luis skyline? You, you never really heard it called that, did you? <laughs> yeah, it's the Not trees and hills, yeah, man. Yeah, it's the rolling hills. <laughs> there isn't a, a skyline, so to speak. Um, yeah, so anyway, the Home Builder Association meeting was cool. It was, it, it was good to see. And, and what I wanted to tell you about that, Dan, was um, the sentiment, man. People, yeah. they were fired up. Really? Yep. Totally. And it could just be that the kind of people that are going to come out and interact and mix are the part that are leading the front instead of sitting home belly aching. So maybe I saw an impure sampling of, of what it really is. But Well, I mean, and you were at a party. Yeah, it was. Didn't that make, was that part of why people were feeling good? I don't know. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking really about like conversations. Though. Okay. Uh, everyone recognizes and is pretty excited about the return of lending. Um, I I was like particularly interested in finding out from these builders, you know, like who's doing your loans, how is it going? Have you, you know, and some of them are like, oh, we don't need loans, you know. Grandpa owned a railroad or something, <laughs> but a lot of people said that they were happy to see lending coming back to market, construction lending becoming possible again. Um, whether you're building, um, you know big, huge housing tracks or just doing individual, um, you know, spec build type of projects said that financing is coming back. The terms are getting better. There's actually choices now about who you might go borrow from. Uh, and, and from, you know, what we were discussing, it just sounded like there's, there's kind of a fresh opportunity here that doesn't seem like it existed for a long time. Uh, the longtime listeners in the show know that I've been saying that forever. I'm going to really believe that we're good and healed when construction is fully back and, and, and it'll be back as defined by plentiful programs for most any type of build. Um, and we're a lot closer today than we were a year ago to that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's it's come a long way. It's the number one call we receive in our office every day is about construction <laughs> yeah. lending. Yes, it um, is. So that's that's exciting that the building community is feeling good about the future. We've got a caller on the line calling from San Luis Obispo. We've got Matt. Good, good morning. morning, gentlemen. How morning. you doing? I'm doing very well. Yeah, I'm very happy about the rain and it's a beautiful day today, sunshiny. Yep, indeed. You know, since you guys brought up the uh, airport issue again, uh, I just wanted to put in my... My three cents into it. Uh, sure. I believe that the FAA jurisdiction will ultimately prevail, and uh, there's just a lot of, un I think, uh, perhaps a lot of unnecessary expenditure being spent on trying to develop something that ultimately I don't believe can be developed because of those regulations. Uh-huh. The the, the, and to uh, bolster that a little bit, I'd say the people often do want to uh, build close to an airport because it seems like, like it's open area. And uh, but if the if the airport closes or if they, if it's forced to close, where would it move? You can't move the airport around here. So, but houses can be. Uh, we can design uh, areas where they can be built so that it doesn't infringe on that and ultimately try to force the closure of the airport because people here do ultimately want to have an airport. Right. Uh, and it's it's useful for our commerce, etc. But could I ask you guys to maybe clarify a, a phrase that you use, smart growth? <laughs> is it, is it, the implication is that those who build, for example, around 
uh, I don't know. Some people are for dumb growth or stupid growth. Yeah. What is why? Why? What is so? Uh, you know, that's a that's a phrase that I don't really understand what it means. People that call smart growth, they always imply that they're the ones doing the smart growth and building smartly, and every, everybody else is kind of do, uh, dumb. So could you possibly comment on that? I'd like to uh, hear you guys' explanation so that I understand it better. Thank you. Yeah. I'll give you, you my two cents. Okay. Yeah, because, I, I mean, first of all, when I was at Cal Poly, and um, I don't know if I already said this during this segment. I know I said it before. I was a city and regional planning major. Um, I got my bachelor's of science in city and regional planning. So, um, of the two of us, I'm probably most qualified to give I've my lived version. I've been in cities my entire life. Okay. Okay. The uh, as I was going to school, smart growth was the buzzword. That was like the phrase du jour about what should define us as um, future industry professionals and. To me, what it takes, and I'm sure it means something a little bit different to everybody, but to me what it meant was a lot of the West Coast developed and, and um, laid out differently than other places, other parts of the country. And I think it was because of all geared around transportation. It was a time where, you know, back East, things were more compact and more put together, built around like the tobacco farms, for example, off of the waterways where they could float their goods off to a major port. Then, of course, you find that like with the railroad coming across, a lot of like gridding out in the in the central U.S. where you have these little transportation hubs that tie in a couple lines and that becomes the new densely populated area that sort of grows outward like the wagon wheel. Um by the time you get over to really developing the West Coast and having the West Coast grow the way that it has, everybody had the automobile. It doesn't matter where you put it. Lay it down, we'll hook a freeway between the two, and it's going to go. And and so what consequently ends up happening, those other great buzzwords like sprawl mm-hmm. um, and and the, um, the strip mall. And basically you, what you end up with is not using your land – um, in its best, most appropriate use, you just are just kind of consuming it quickly as you go. And then you end up with an automobile dependent society for towns that aren't very walkable or very even usable because there wasn't an awful lot of thought put into how it went. And you just keep growing out from the edges. You just put in another housing tract over there without a whole lot of explanation. So, that's the backdrop smart growth the word for us in school was you got to grow you do got to add business and you got to add residents and you got to put in the infrastructure and everything that it takes to support it but every pit every bit and piece that you grow should be as smart as possible should be thought out yeah considering the impact can and and oftentimes now it's about reusing some spaces and you know not paving over sixty five thousand acres of dirt for the day after thanksgiving but trying to be smarter about when you do that what you do or you know these kind of things so i to me that what i mean like if i say smart growth about the way that we're going to infill the city yeah some better density requirements and stuff like that i'm not necessarily saying that um smart growth means you build next to the airport but that you're just more thoughtful in the process i always equate it to sprawl or you know reducing sprawl it's the opposite of sprawl right yeah that that's what i always think of when i say it Mm -hmm. does that answer your question matt 
<laughs> Matt's gone. He hung up a okay. long time ago. Um, it probably kind of answers it, but I'll go back and address what I think is the the premise of Matt's call here is, number one, it it's a divisive term because it does mean that, hey, I'm going to offer you the smart if you growth don't agree with solution, this, you're then, dumb. then you're dumb because right. there's, there's, everything's defined by contradiction, right? So that's the unfortunate thing is that when you begin using that terminology on an issue where two groups are divided, now all of a sudden you've, you've made it to where one is clearly better than the one's other. One's right, one's wrong. Like I said before, you know, with the analogy with the farm, it really is the same thing with the airport. And that, I think, is the crux of what Matt is saying is let's figure out how to do this in a way that we don't end up being forced to close the airport at some in the future. And I really honestly think there is a higher likelihood of the airport getting squeezed out if the vocal minority you keep adding to them by, you know, creating and growing more people right up in an area that is going to have the greatest impact from the airport the smarter or the you know the bigger the buffer the lower the likelihood that you're going to have irate consumers citizens you know everybody's saying get this thing out of here because yeah then where does it go well and one of the primary concerns before we even ever got to the issue of of squeezing out the airport is any lawsuits that might come as a result of overriding this airport land use commission policy. And so far, the Caltrans Division of Aeronautics, um, along with the airport commission, have both implied that they will take legal action against the city um, should they continue with this override. And that um, could prove to be costly. Have we maybe created a problem, too, where we've kind of done this little leapfrogging a little bit, too, where we've put in, like, the Los Ranchos neighborhood and we've put in different neighborhoods that are kind of maybe expanding towards the airport a little bit, too? And Santa Maria, I think, has done it a little bit more smarter with their airport because it's more out of the—it's not—it's kind of out of Santa Maria a little bit, and, it, and it's um, more in an industrial area— it's got a lot of land around it. Yeah. But um, see, that's the point, though, is where is that real estate around here? Yeah. But I'm just wondering if maybe we kind of created a problem by allowing neighborhoods like Los Ranchos and that golf course area and stuff like that. You gotta get, you're going to get some. closer to it. I, the reality of it is in, in around San Luis Obispo, there are um, some regulations in the zoning that prevent you from being able to build so far up the hills. Right. Mm -hmm. There's like a max elevation line because we don't want houses like in the Orange County where you just see them coming off the top of yeah. all the hills. And you down. Want to see the natural topography. Yeah. That San Luis skyline. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is there's an awful lot of um, land here that's going to be never developable. It's open space. It's Greenbelt. It's Williamson Act. It's dedicated. Um, I mean, the, the land bank. We are pretty well insulated around San Luis Obispo as far as the opportunities to go build more. So when you when you actually sit down and look at the maps over what is still developable space, and you know the thing that you got to remember is that everybody's got different priorities in this. So there's some people that all they really want, you know, and this like when we had Lenny Grant on the show is we're talking about creating workforce housing. We need more affordable workforce workforce housing. So um, 
Fine. Tell me that the airport's a terrible place. Let's sit to the map and you show me where it goes. Where does it go? It has to go somewhere because the health of this city is under great strain and may not survive if you don't put in more workforce housing. So where does it go? And that's the problem is that you start to identify places where you say, well, for one legal reason or another, there aren't opportunities to put it somewhere. So now what we need to do is go back into the the land use codes and look at what of the so what do you want to do lift some Williamson Act take land out of a land bank do you want to convert a green belt to housing or do you want to go and um, change zoning maybe create more density or look at like the land that's around the airport so it's not a surprise to me that we ended up in the position where that's hot topic that everybody should have seen that coming. Um, and you know, like Matt said, the, the sad thing about it is that it's expensive and it's divisive and it'll be particularly sad if at the end of all of the mudslinging, fighting, name calling, you know, ex and then just the expense part of discovering whether or not this is possible if the FAA comes in and says, you guys were kidding, right? You're not going to be able to do this. And then you have all of that in the little town. I mean, that's. That's would really that's the part that I worry would come to fruition. Otherwise, I'll trust the process. If the FAA is going to bless it, then you guys go ahead. Everybody that's impacted by it, if you're a pilot or a neighbor or the guy that owns the gas station over there, whatever, you guys all get together and hash that out. I mean, that's what we have the systems that we have for. Um, yeah. So anyway, not not a simple issue. Um, very complex Folks, it's 9.30 now, so we got to go ahead and take a commercial break. we got to take some time out to thank the sponsors. We will be back in just a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters and hope you'll stick around. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citric Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Well, we got going on the rain and found ourselves on the airport thing, and... Um, I do this this show is open to talk about anything related to real estate, economics, local economics, mortgages, that kind of thing. So it's a it's a relevant topic. I was really just stalling though because um my computer wasn't fired up yet, so I didn't have all my show notes. Yesterday I had that thing, you guys probably get this too, where the computer's trying to restart for an update and you mm -hmm. got to keep postponing it so i postponed it like all day long and then finally last night i was like well i'll just i'm done now i can let it restart and do its thing mm -hmm. so it took like a half an hour to shut off because it was like don't turn off we're configuring updates so then when i turned it on this morning evidently it had a whole nother one of those to get through before i could even get to my notes that are here so but hey I got them now. Go. There it is. I got them cool. now. <laughs> um, man, and boy, there's some interesting things in here that I have to talk about today. Uh, Dan. Yes. Gas. It's cheap. Loving it? Well, I love it. It's a lot cheaper than it's We've been, been. conditioned to believe yeah, to three bucks a gallon is like, are they giving it away? <laughs> I mean, I, totally. I feel like I want to drive to Bakersfield today just to use some more gas because I don't want to lose money on this cheap yeah. gas. I paid two sixty seven the other day. Whew. Really? Two sixty seven. Where are you getting your the gas? <laughs> well, Okay, it was two seventy seven, but you know the bonds. They oh have yeah, bonds club thing. Oh, they, don't uh, cheat like, yourself. That's your two sixty seven. Ten cents a gallon off because I built up my points. It was two sixty seven. Awesome. Gallon. That wow. was so cool. As I was driving in here today, yeah. um, I heard on the radio they were talking that national average. It's not out of the question for it to reach about two and a quarter. Right. Uh, last week, OPEC met up. Right. They get together. Um, OPEC, I don't anymore, isn't the number one controller and can play big bully and stuff. So now right. I find myself wondering why. What's their motivation now? Anyway, yeah. OPEC met up and said that they're not going to change production. Wow. Recognizing that 2015 is likely to be one of the lowest demands on oil in more than a decade. Wow. And... And deciding then to not change production means that we're likely to have some pretty cheap fuel yes, around here. Yeah. And so um, I, while that's really good news, mm -hmm. to me it spawns a, a question of, um, I think, some significance. Because just, just let's flatter me for a second and yeah. talk about what 
what does the cost of uh, gas per gallon uh, affect? Well, and are you figuring in maybe in January too with this carbon tax thing that's yeah. coming up? Yeah. I don't know if they're figuring that in or not. But see, that's only a California thing too. Mm-hmm. And while California does draw a lot of the nation's oil demand, it's not it's not all of it, mm-hmm. you know. But point being, take a product, a widget or whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is that you have to to sell as long as it's some sort of product distributed to consumer in the US. It's so heavily dependent on the cost of oil. It's not even funny. From the raw materials being mined or shipped in or whatever to the factories that, you know, get their energy to build, the everything about it, the equipment, and then when the goods are packaged, all of that, and then it's it's trucked or trained or something in diesel locomotives or something somewhere in the country where it then goes through various other gas using things to finally hit the shelf. And when you see the cost of that oil go down so dramatically the way that it has, it's going to lower the producer price index. The The cost to originate these goods is going to drop. And therefore, unless the producers just sock all that extra money into their pocket, they're going in turn to cut the price to the consumer. And and I think because of competition, that'll be the case in most of the things. Because, I mean, one of the reasons it's so much cheaper for us to go buy our lettuce at the farmer's market is that it didn't have to take like a a bus ride from New York or wherever that you know grocery store lettuce is coming from. Um, that's why, right? I mean, that's a big part of it, isn't it? The guy just puts them in a box and goes around the corner and sells them to us instead of putting them on a plane or something. I the funniest thing that I think happens too is like with because we're in an ag area, sure. So like you'll see the Oceano lettuce boxes on a truck heading to los angeles yeah mm-hmm. and it, then where do they come yeah they go to that well, buyer's then, market and then they come back up here sure but say they, funny they're not works. growing as much lettuce in la so they need some of ours and that's cool yeah, that's but, good industry for us but this is kind of funny that we pay for that shipping charge oh but because it goes to la and that comes my back favorite here. though is have you ever um I'll have to say here, I've never bought like produce or meat or anything from Walmart. (laughs) I'm a little bit freaked out by it. But have you been there? They have it. And when you start looking at where it's coming from, this stuff is not even coming from this continent most of the time. And it's cheap stuff, man. And I don't know... You know how they let the peaches ride with the goats or whatever to come from Honduras or China or something to come be sold here in the Walmart in Arroyo Grande or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. you're freaking me out now with that. Um, the farmer's market is still cheaper. It's fascinating to me that like when Paso Robles is carrying produce in the Walmart and the, and they, they keep, I would think it would just rot on the shelf there. And they go, you know what the selling the produce here in the, like one of the agricultural centers of America is not working very well anymore. But anyway, go back to my original point. It's going to make cost to consume go down. It just has to. So the feds have been trying desperately to create inflation for years now. 
and energy is sort of like doubling back on him, making this. It's like the how how on earth now, and what's going to happen because of that? Nobody nobody thought this piece into the equation. I don't think. Yeah, this is something you and I were actually discussing yesterday in the office. Um, on the one hand, it's great that the gas is cheaper, right? It's it's great. It does affect a lot of things in a in a way that makes them more affordable for us. And, Hold that. Okay. One of the things that affects the most is consumer sentiment, which, by the way, is like skyrocketing off the charts. Right? People are pretty pumped up when you can fill up for sixty bucks instead of a hundred. Aside from housing, what's your biggest expense monthly? Um, Maybe food. Fuel, dude. For me, fuel, it's fuel. then food. Oh yeah, food for sure. Food then fuel. Yeah, and healthcare is probably getting close, but yeah, but we've fuel already is discussed, very expensive. We've already discussed that food is impacted by declining fuel That's prices, right. and then fuel is your very next biggest expense for most households. So the top two expenses are getting a lot cheaper. So that's great. That makes people feel good, makes them more confident, makes them sure. willing to go out and buy goods and services. But at the same, then from a, a policy level, it's horrible. We're not getting any closer to achieving the inflation goal that we're after. If anything, it almost pushes us more towards a deflationary right. environment. So we'll have to see how it all shapes up. Um, and by the way, this upcoming week, the feds are meeting, right? We're hitting the, it's the 17th. So, um, man, are a lot of folks watching want to know how's the policy statement going to change now? Um, we talked about it last week, uh, here, the jobs report for November was just, you can't really say it was anything short of Epic. That was a really yeah. great month. Um, it is the economy is actually in a pretty decent little spot in terms of housing and employment. Um, some folks, in fact, are even starting to use words like normal. This we might be all normal. So next week when the feds meet up, what are they going to say? Uh, they're going to address energy for sure. I'm curious to see what they say about that. I wonder if the statement will be loosely tied to or just directly state the impact of energy on inflation or, um, you know, like you said, potential deflation. Um, and then secondly, uh, with so much indisputable good news about the recent strength of the economy, these last 12 months have actually been pretty good. Uh, you remember the year was supposed to be unbelievably good. The polar vortex started the year off with a little bit of a drag, but we sure finished the fourth quarter of 2014 here has been a good one. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what the feds have to say about it now. A lot of people are predicting that we might see interest rates begin to go up in the middle of the year. Um, so interesting to see, but the wild card played this month or this last this quarter let's call it is the the plummeting cost of energy um and by the way plane tickets haven't gotten any cheaper <laughs> at all somebody was just saying that actually the other day if you know, that's the they always the, go up are, are when the fuel goes up quick right down, quick i mean it's like the culligan guy are they taking that fuel surcharge off the culligan bill <laughs> because it. you remember all those little things that relied on energy those employers um they were they were beginning to feel squeezed saying mm -hmm. we may not operate at a profit with this increased fuel cost and so we saw surcharges on most things and i'm led to believe that 
That's like the primary expense in my plane flight, right? Isn't it? Oh, it's I'm be. pretty sure. The wings yeah. are full of fuel. It takes like 35,000 gallons an hour or something to fly that plane. So uh, when your fuel cost drops by 35%, um, let me get a deal. Or better yet, how about I don't have to pay that 40 bucks to get into the exit row now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some kind of bone, throw me something. Yeah. It's cheaper. I know it's cheaper. Yeah. Ah. Um, yeah, so there you go. OPEC, that takes care of that. Or here's the thought. Maybe give me something more than peanuts for a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring clothes for free. <laughs> can I can my bag ride with me? It's unreasonable to think of policies have sure bag. changed at the airline recently, <laughs> yeah. haven't they? So what was Step over here, we're gonna strip and cavity search you. <laughs> By the way, if you brought clothes wherever you're going, <laughs> and if you didn't, you're like on the terrorist list. Why is this guy flying without a bag? Well, sir, he was trying to save 50 bucks. <laughs> he's he's, wearing, buy clothes he, and I he's actually one. he's actually wearing nine layers. Sir. <laughs> oh man, we can't X-ray him with all those clothes on. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it has it's changed a lot to fly recently, hasn't it? It has. So one of the other things that was really fascinating this week, the storylines this week, was the stock market plummeting along with the the price of oil. Dude, so, yeah. How does that happen when everyone's, ex- you know, they've got more money in their pockets, more money to spend, everyone, the consumer confidence is through the roof, home builders love things because lending's coming back. You know, Everything's good. Yeah. Unemployment's great. I mean, you just said it was like... Uh, what what word did you use? Phenomenal, phenomenal epic. report. I said epic. epic. Report. It was huge. What's going on? So yeah, the Dow Jones Industrials <laughs> lost three point seven percent this week, which is the worst since two thousand eleven. And then the S and P five hundred fell three point five percent, which is the biggest drop since May of two thousand twelve. Um. Very interesting. I I wrote those headlines down in that way to say, for real. And then you know, I I mentioned it to you yesterday. It's like the economic calendar has been pretty great lately. There's been a lot of really good news, and then we see these. Why then did we lose money in the stock market? And and I was actually thinking about that a little bit more since we talked. And I could, I was sort of going, you know, I bet it's on account of. Um, it's the fourth quarter. Maybe things were a little overrun. It's also a, a volatile month because it's a short month. Um, you don't really have whole normal days and weeks this month. In fact, this next week is, is you got to kind of try to pack all of December into this next week because getting work done between Christmas and New Year's never really works the way that it's supposed to. And lots of moving and positioning, um, getting yourself set up to hit the ground running for the next year. So, um, yeah, maybe if it is just some sales. I mean, the stock market from where it started the year to today is up. So maybe just some of it was just in that way. But um, I got to believe part of it is at least just being overheated from the year. Uh, Yeah, we never really had that correction. And a lot of – I mean, the stock market – has been great. It's been on an unbelievable run. And so much, every time there's a pullback, there's always this discussion of, is this going to be the 10% correction that that typically follows 
a big run-up, and it's never been a full 10% correction down. In fact, it usually rebounds pretty quickly. Um, so is that what's going on, or is it like you're saying, is it just the I th- opportunity for year-end to make things look really good for those trading firms to go out and, and make great sales next quarter? Sure. And you know what? I mean, one of the tales about like the cost of oil and gasoline is usually about how bright the future looks. It predicts consumption. If we're going to be knowing that, you know, people are going to be flush with cash because of all of the jobs and the growth in real estate and how epic everything is, that usually pushes gas up a little bit. There's going to be a run on demand then. Um, Another thing that's just interesting about the metrics of the last couple of weeks here, um, the 10-year bond yield was 2.32 after that jobs report. And I know because I kind of went, eesh, that, I knew that was a good jobs report, and I'm fearful that it's going to be able to push interest rates up. Um, and it kind of did for an hour or two. It was like, hey, look at that, really good news. The rates are getting a little bit worse today. Um, I don't remember if it was if it was this week that I said this or not, but I'm going to say it again. Um so two weeks ago when I went and did um, the real estate, uh, I, the presentation at Patterson, I was sharing with them that the current mortgage interest rate for a 30-year fix was about 3.97%. I always like to compare it to what it was a year ago. A year ago, it was 4.23 or 2.4. Um, this week when I went over there, the interest rate had slipped a little more to 2.9 or 3.93 for a 30-year fixed. This is just a national average pu- published by Freddie Mac. Uh, prior year in December, um, 4.52. So from one week to the next where we made a little bit of a slip down this year, last year, we spiked a quarter of a point in rate in one week. That's wild. So then I, you know, and I always do like to think back to where things, what it was like, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, that was December. Ooh, that was kind of a... A crappy little jobs report we got in December, but that was the month that the feds just came out and and started the tapering, which on the heels of that bad job report had everybody going, oh my God. And that's what popped rates up quick. So here we are a year later and rates are down and dropping. Um, the Dow is pretty huge. I mean, it's that that's up there. This week, maybe not a good week, but I saw it trying to get over 18,000 at the beginning of the week. Um, so it's a it's kind of a, a big change here in what's been going on. But um, oh, so lastly, what I wanted to say about that was after that jobs report, the 10 year was like 2.32. I'm looking at it um, yesterday, the 10-year closed at 2.08. So not only is it the stock market having a little bit of a runoff, but the bond market is actually showing, yeah, it's showing that um, people are interested in it. And uh, it's it's sort of exhausting to to try to weigh all this up. Why It would be the death of the day trader again. That's a hard thing to predict. This is a perfect example of, of what we see with these daily fluctuations in rates on a daily basis. We always talk about the 10-year yield being that benchmark. We always watch that to see where mortgage rates are going. Here's a great example of when when things are going down, how slow the mortgage rates are to follow. When it goes right. up, they're like real-time tracking. Yeah, I always say it's just like gas. <laughs> yeah, when it's going down, you know, I mean, we had almost a quarter of a point 
decline in the 10-year note yield, we had, what did you say, four basis point decline in the mortgage rates in that same period of time? Yeah. <laughs> not not it doesn't translate dollar for dollar on the drop on the on the increase you betcha you know in fact we, we might outpace that yeah. one just to, to anticipate it's like if you're the guy setting the rates and then the consumer's like hey aren't rates going down they're like well yeah you bet they're going down they're going down a little bit we got to keep an eye on those ones going down got to see if it holds start going up <laughs> they're like get a man out there and change that sign <laughs> Pat it by ten percent in case it keeps going up. We don't want to lose money on this. That's like that's really how it goes. So there was chatter yesterday that you know could could the ten year yield dip down not only below two percent but start to approach one percent. Oh boy, that seems laughable to me. Me too. I don't think it could even. I I do think it'd be interesting to watch this two percent mark because there's always these resistance levels that you hear about. Sure. That seems to be a pretty natural one. If it broke through that, that would be newsworthy for sure. Uh, yeah, that that would be pretty wild. I don't. I think I feel like just even being at this level, I'm okay with rates where they are right now. And obviously, as long as there's not inflation or big pressure in that regard, um, I think we're doing good actually with the rates we have. In fact, um, was talking about this just yesterday in the office. Is refis are coming back to life? There's an awful <laughs> lot of people refinancing right now. No one's complaining, at least from a yeah from a. A, I mean, a refinance side about rates. Just rates do a, are great. Just do a reality check about what I just told you. If you bought last December and you were in contract and kind of forced to close, you got what the market bared at that time. That was a four and a half. Obnoxiously high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, today, you get a four. So there's a lot of people at a half a point, by the way. Uh, what's a half a point, Dan? Is it even worth it? Should you even call? <laughs> it's a lot on a three or four hundred thousand yeah. dollar mortgage. If you got a hundred and forty thousand dollar loan, a half a point's probably not worth that much to you. You got a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage, uh, a half a point's it's probably like two hundred bucks a month. Or it something. could be, yeah. Um, and over the life of the loan, now we're talking some serious Skrilla. That's worth. Come on in and talk about it. That's a lot of money. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, we're seeing refis come about now. And um, it, that's nice. I mean, I, I one of the other little uh, notes that I put right next to this um, is that third quarter independent mortgage originator numbers. So just looking at what, what, what kind of loans were originated in this quarter, um, a 10% increase in volume over the same quarter of 13. So 10% more. And everybody's estimates in the industry have been that we're going to have lower and lower production in the coming years, especially as interest rates um, creep up to wherever it is they're going. Uh, so this was kind of nice to see that it was 10% more than it was in the previous year. And that's not really surprising to me. Interest rates dropped by about 10%. <laughs> <laughs> if it went from four and a half to four, right? I mean, that's about the deal. So you'd think that you could catch a few more fish with that net. Um, but really, actually, very good news. Um, I This jobless claims number that we talk about uh, used to be worth talking about because it was such a big one. I'm beginning to not even care about it. In fact, I, I kid you not, it's not even bolded here in my notes. I usually bold the word that will help me find it on the page. Um, I didn't even bold it. Who cares? It was below 300,000 again. That's like pre-recession -rece pre levels. 
oh, jobless claims, you've been so good for so long, you know. Jobless claims is like 10 years sober. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, it's, it's, yeah, we should celebrate it, but it's not like it. it's not like it's a day 18 again. Um, jobless claims is doing a really good job. Uh, yeah, I don't even bulge you anymore, jobless claims. <laughs> you, you don't like my analogy. Um, another little... A uh, thing that I thought would be interesting to share on the show today is that, um, ooh, trick question. Can I stump you or give a Let's whack see. at it? Let's Can see. I give a whack at it? Um, what would you say is the VA loan limit today? The dollar amount limit that they'll lend? Yeah. This is kind of, this is a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> it I want to say it's a million bucks. Interesting. I won't walk you so far down the path as to have you explain all of your logic in it. I'll tell you that the VA does have a county loan limit. And for us um, and many counties, it's, um, let's see, San Francisco has a million fifty is their loan limit. And they're likely to get cut down to 625.5. Hmm. Um, we may actually see our county take a whack it's an interesting thing because in many of the programs like say the fannie mae standard conforming 417 is the that's it you can't go past it super conforming takes you up to 561,200, but that's it you can't go a penny over va does technically va has no maximum loan amount you may have to begin contributing because they max out what they're willing to pay, but you can do a million dollar VA loan. You cannot do a million dollar Fannie Mae loan. Um, but they're coming through to put some caps now, and it sounds like a lot of these um, VA caps may be enforced at 625.5 being the highest loan amount you can get. Um, if that proved to be true, that would kind of be a big shakeup. So if you have a... Uh, does, if you're a vet and have a desire to have an expensive VA loan on a or inexpensive VA loan on a very expensive house, you might slip that in sooner than later. I just want to pause here for a moment. I think I was right. Yeah, kind of. I was right. You you were not stumped. Only right in <laughs> as much as uh, you picked a, an unusually high number. Um, that happened to the, be right. The answer is there really isn't. Uh, there isn't a max though. You can you could technically do a two million dollar VA loan here in town. So you were kind of right. I'll give you partial credit. <laughs> partial credit. At least you weren't stumped in as much you succeeded. Because I, I thought, you know, I wanted you to say something just a god awfully wrong, like twenty bucks or something. <laughs> Guys, it's uh heading into the ten o'clock hour here, which means that we need to do the top of the hour break. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. Also be thankful that you're not going to hear a single campaign commercial. Um, and, dude, don't you need to be thankful for that? I really am. That stuff drives me up a wall. Freshen up your coffee, water the dog, do what you got to do. We'll be back in just a couple quick minutes here for another hour of Mortgage Matters. Do stick around. tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. 
Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holiday to you. All right, guys, welcome back. Jim, I never heard our uh, our little, you know, Dan and I voice to the new happy holidays greeting. I'll have to see if it's in there now. Okay. Yeah. Imagine it's supposed to be produced and everything, I think. I don't know. Huh. Let me see if I can find it. I'm excited. You don't usually get old Dan P in on a commercial. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I noticed it's usually you. Sends me. Go figure. He can talk and talk and talk, right? Sends and then... me. <laughs> I got to write him and then I got to go voice him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's tiring. It's really tiring. I'm tired right now. You've just got to go. <laughs> sure. It's hard work, but somebody's got to do it. I was, you just got this memorable voice. I was getting up this. People I, are drawn to it. I actually feel like my voice sounds really weird and nerdy. Let me it see if it's in the promo. certainly doesn't sound in my head the way that it sounds out here in radio land. But I was getting up this morning. You know what my favorite thing is about doing the radio show? Dan, the sixth day of work in the week. Yes. My favorite thing, though. I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts and a hoodie. Today, I don't have to have uncomfortable, like, collared shirt on. Oh, my gosh. Dress socks and dress shoes. Nothing on me is argyle today. Pretty pleased about that. Huh. Okay, well, um, yeah. What else you got over there, DP? Not much, eh? Yeah. I started out the show earlier today. I was talking about having gone to that home builder association. And, um, you know, then that led to how everybody's kind of excited about um, the return of some construction financing. And so... Um, you want to talk about that? I did want to talk about that a little okay. bit. And I, it, I forget because I talk around different places. I forget all the things I've said, but... Um, I kind of just thought it would be beneficial for people to have an idea of what kind of um, programs there are if somebody was interested in doing something. You know, I get I get phone calls of people that, that own a lot somewhere, whether they bought it or inherited. They got a hunk of dirt somewhere, and it's always been their plan to build on it. But in the last eight years, that's not been possible. So for those people, um, that's one one person I think that's got a project ahead of them that they need some money for. Uh, oftentimes there are people though that are just looking for another bedroom, looking for a bathroom or maybe to uh, dreaming of a second story over the garage or something. Um, and again, those were the kind of deals that those programs went away really fast. When we had Greg Nestor on the show, um, we even talked with him a little bit about this fact that for a minute there, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, um, the houses were selling for less than the parts. Not, not even counting the labor and the permits and fees and everything like that that goes into it. But just add up the sticks and shingles and doors and windows and pipes and appliances. And these things were selling for less than they were even worth. So obviously there wasn't... Um, there wasn't going to be programs to 
facilitate you go building a new one. <laughs> the depreciated ones are still selling for less than they're worth, let alone something shiny and new. So, um, but today there are loan programs available to accomplish all of those things. In fact, uh, just yesterday we met with a couple executives from a bank that um, we work with where you can buy dirt. It's not an ideal setup, but they could help you buy dirt and build a house and kind of go through the whole thing that way. So we sort of really have come full circle from where it was even 12 months ago. Um, and the rehab loans, too, are pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a lot of great programs. The, the rehab loans have been around, and there's a lot. Basically, every loan product offering today that we've that's offered, you know, FHA, USDA, Fannie Mae. Does VA have one also? They do that we don't offer. Okay, we so, probably could. So most every agency offers a rehab option to their standard loan program offering, and those are really good options for. Either you're buying a home that's got some kind of deferred maintenance. Sometimes it's not even a deferred maintenance issue. It's those rehab programs will allow you to just make cosmetic upgrades or add some. Maybe even not even more bedrooms. than cosmetic, but like I know when we were out house shopping a few years ago, um, I go to a house. I'm like, hey, this is a cool neighborhood. I really like this neighborhood. In fact. House is set back from the street nice. I like the layout of the house. And I go, single pane aluminum frame windows that are like rattling and drafting with us just walking around in here. Um, that's And that's overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever replaced windows yourself, but like that's that sort of pushes the edge of the DIY, right? Like you're going to cut out the siding and cut out the drywall and then peel back and expose this thing. And then you need to be able to put a new window in its place and then put it all back together in a way that nobody could tell that you did that other than to say, those must be newer windows, right? That's pushing the edge of what most DIYers are going to do. So as you look at things in a house that you're like, Hey, you know, this house has everything I need except for those windows. And I don't want to go put in 35 windows. Um, so they're, then is an option. If you're doing an FHA loan anyway, um, for any variety of reasons, there's an option there for you to be able to do a, a variation of the FHA loan that will pay somebody to put new windows into the entire house. And that's pretty cool. If that's the deal killer on whether or not you would buy that house, or if that's the reason the house is discounted, sometimes you're going to find that. But I mean, and it can do... Yeah, basically you can do all of that stuff. So you're right, it's not necessarily deferred maintenance, but just maybe a much needed upgrade. And I, I guess before we get too far into this, we should rewind really quickly. The first option that any remodeler, homeowner, you know, anyone who's desiring a remodel to the home that they own, the, the first option you should always consider is just a cash out refinance before you start any project. Yep. Because if you if you have the equity it's just a simpler it's it's an easier deal. You don't have to get bi your builder approved. You don't have to show the cost breakdown of the improvements. You don't you, have to go through a draw schedule yeah, and pay you don't have to go through all fees. that extra paperwork and it, it is time consuming. It is 
you do deal with a lot of additional scrutiny that you may not want to deal with. They might not, you know, you can't be the owner builder. You have to use a, a contract. You know, there's a lot of extra rules and things that you may not want to Or be use to. your brother who's a builder. They don't want to, to have some sort of non-arm's length relationship. Yeah. So if it's at all possible doing a cash out refinance, if you have equity in your existing home as it stands today, then that's the... The ideal way to go. Yeah, before you tear open a single wall or rip out your bathtub or whatever craziness is about to ensue, before you do anything, you come see us and see if you can get enough out to accomplish the entire project. That's the one word of caution there is that <laughs> it's a little less than ideal. Um, one of the things I was talking about with a builder the other night that does remodels, I have a lot of tools and I'm cap I'm capable and comfortable doing a lot of jobs. Um, plumbing is one thing where they say like the average plumbing job takes the guy to the store six times. Unless you've got a truck full of miscellaneous parts from years, that's probably true. But on most every construction project, and Dan, you, you know this better than anybody, um, it's always a little bit more involved than you thought. And it's always a little bit longer and it's always a little bit more expensive. It's always a little bit harder. Um, you know, it, part of it is like you pull open a wall and then you find that, oh man, all I really wanted to do was put up, you know, a new drywall with bull nose. And now I get the drywall off to find that somebody didn't insulate this whole wall and it's got this old crappy wiring in it that I'm going to, since it's open, I may as well redo that. And then you go, well, and now that I'm going to drop nice wire in here, I should probably put new internet cable. Cause that's like, that's always a problem. And now this wall's open. And so the next thing you know, is like, just because you're doing it, you're doing it right. And it's getting more involved and you're finding things that need to be replaced along the way. So my point is, if you're going to do that and you're so you're going to say I'm going to I'm going to do a remodel and I need 60,000 bucks, I'm going to challenge you to like really put pencil to paper and decide if 60 grand is ag adequate or not and then probably encourage you to take 10 or 15% more just to be safe because when you show backup in nine months and your house is like 75% of the way done, but still in pieces and you need another 20 grand, it's really uneconomical to borrow 20 grand, first of all. Secondly, nobody likes to lend on a, a project in progress. I say that, I want to put like an asterisk on it because there are some programs we have that will help you if that's your problem, but that's not the ideal thing to do. So yeah, you're right. That first guy that just wants to remodel their house or do an addition or whatever, if you've got equity and you can get it um, before you disturb a, a single piece of drywall, uh, that's the easiest, lowest resistance, um, lowest cost by far. You're getting a 30-year fixed at 4% if you're doing that right now. Um, construction financing, depending on what you're into, I think the, the range there is like probably five to 10%, depending on what it is you've got going on. And out of that, none of those are a 30 year fixed. So you're going to be, 
if it takes you nine or 18 months to get done, you're subject to what the rates are at that time when you come to get your final financing. So you, you, you want to get in and out as quick as you can. But again, if you can just take it out of equity and a loan in the beginning, a new 30 year loan, um, that's definitely the best way to go. Um, the next option is, is the rehab financing. Sure. So that's what's, what's cool about the rehab financing is it's, you're still subject to loan deval, you know, equity requirements in your property, but it's based on the to be completed version of your home. Right. So usually when you do some kind of remodel to your home, you're improving the value of your home, mm-hmm. whether it's adding square footage or, you know, making the home more modern and, and just using nicer upgrades. You're, you're adding value. So the final value of your home is going to be better. And that's what's used to determine your loan to value requirements for the loan. So that's a great loan, and those ones do offer you fixed rate, 30-year fixed loan options. Those rehab loans are really great. But then you are subject to that builder approval and and uh, project approval process. So you're going to get scrutinized there a little bit. I was going to say the other thing about those rehab loans, like if we're talking specifically about the FHA ones, they got mortgage insurance. And anymore you're really going to end up with life of loan mortgage insurance so some people are going to need to use the fha rehab loan because that's what they're going to qualify for it goes to those really high loan to value right i mean you can do it 96 and a half percent um of your project cost sure a lot of the other construction loans are going to want to see you have you know, 20% equity or 10, even 10% equity um, of the completed project value. Um, but Fannie Mae offers a rehab loan, that's right. which is a really good loan. It goes up to 95% of the to-be-completed value of your home. It doesn't have life-of-loan mortgage insurance. It has regular conventional mortgage insurance that can be eliminated when you get to that 78% equity position. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, 78% loan to value, 22% equity position. Um, so that's a really good loan. That loan also allows you to refinance and complete your project if you didn't anticipate your costs well enough to begin with. Yeah. So that is the opportunity to say, oops, I didn't get enough money. I got most of my house put back together, but not all of it. That didn't, loan, they'll allow you to do that. Didn't make it the whole way. Yeah, and that's that's actually a really cool thing. That happens a lot. Uh, and usually people find themselves in a really tight spot because they first go down to the bank. And, and by the way, if you're ever in this spot, when you walk into the bank and say, I need to get a loan because my house is torn apart and I just need 50 grand to finish it or whatever it is, um, that's like immediate red alarms right there for so many reasons. Um, you you made you exercised poor judgment, poor planning. Your budget wasn't met. I mean, none of the and planning and budget. This is really all lenders care about with people is you know are you realistic about your expectations and what you're capable of, and then can you meet your obligations? And when you come in saying you know I I tore the roof off my entire house and now I'm out of money and I need to put a roof back on it. That's not a good spot to be in. and But believe me, people show up like that. So this is actually a program where somebody can do that. It is without even needing to ask for forgiveness to come in and say, 
I made it pretty far and now I need some money. And you know what? Sometimes because people think that, oh, I'll just take the siding off right here and then we'll redo the siding like kind of like one wall at a time and work our way around. And then something else changes, you know, they need a root canal and then a few grand went there and that didn't buy the siding. And then, you know, whatever ends up happening, sometimes life just happens and you find yourself in that spot. So there's a loan there for those people that want to do that. Um, a good program, a great program. And by the way, I just want to say um, these programs weren't offered uh at least if they existed, they weren't offered by banks a couple of years ago. Right. So this is part of the um, the support I'll give you for why I believe that uh, construction uh, and rehab financing has come so far in the last year. The amount of companies that are willing to offer uh, this product to people is um, it's growing rapidly. So then you have your your full construction loan, which is a whole different animal altogether. Um, like you said, oftentimes not a, not a, not a long-term loan. It's something to get you through the construction phase of your project. And then you're expected to get out of it. That that's, what's most common today. We are starting to see the more traditional one-time close loan come back. In fact, we're, I'm hopeful that in January, we're going to be announcing a one-time close product. That's a 30 year fixed one-time close, you know, great four four-ish percent interest rates, a loan that you'll enjoy during the construction of your of your home as well as while you're living in it for the full 30 years. Well, and, and what it does, too, is that if you know, I mean, then if I just ask you this question, in the next 24 months, do you think rates are likely to go down, remain the same, or go up? Go up. Okay. If I'm now facing having to do a construction loan today where I got to redo that thing in 24 months... And I'm going to say to you, all right, that scares me. How much is it going to go up? Good question. You don't even know? No. How do I budget for this? <laughs> this is this is terrible for me. So you're telling me it could be, they could be 8% and that could be $700 a month more than what I'm paying right now. Could be, could be. I'm going to say not likely. You can see how for some people this is like too uncomfortable to even go on down that path. And so um, this is what a one-time close does is it removes that uncertainty and it kind of allows you to – plus if you do two loans, you have like generally twice the closing cost, right? Yep. Um, twice the headache. It's not fun to do a loan. Why do you need my mother's birth certificate? Um, that's nothing we've ever asked for. I don't think it. I don't think. Have you ever had to ask no, for that? I don't that? think so. I never had to ask for that. Uh, but if if it popped up, I wouldn't be surprised. They're asking for some pretty impressive documentation a lot of the time. Um, but going through that, it's not fun for anybody. Um, and by the end of it, you're glad it's over. If you know you're signing yourself up to do two of those at twice the expense, that's just not. Nobody wants to do that. What's really exciting, too, with the construction loan programs that are coming around today is that not only is it for someone who wants to occupy their dream home, there are great construction loans available for builders who are interested in doing spec construction. Uh, I mean, we have access to up to like $18 million or something crazy for for that type of construction um, right. at pretty good rates, 5 6% type rates, sure. um, depending on the project. So it's there's a lot of great options, and I think 
as we get into 2015 and beyond, I think more and more banks are going to start offering these programs, and it's going to be become more readily available to the consumer, which is why when you go to the Home Builders Association of the Central Coast meeting, everyone's excited. Yeah, because this has been a void for years on end that's just finally getting met. And the good news is, is that the more, you know, we, we used to talk in terms of like people hiding in the shadows of Wall Street. Uh, a lot of these lenders are still there. And the people that know about the programs of yesteryear, I mean, one of the other programs that got announced this week to be back is the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac 3% down loans. Um, it's and it captures some headlines. It's a nice divisive topic. I was actually planning on talking about that after the break here. Um, but point is, these guys all they're still around. The programs are known. Um, but what happens is, is that, you know, we call it like standing in the shadows on Wall Street is like they're there and we know it. But the problem is, is that you don't want to be the first one to come out and offer the program. You don't, you got to be pretty confident in the economy. You also got to know what your long-term plan is. If you go make yourself, you know, 20, 40, $50 million worth of construction loans, are you going to, do you have the capital it takes to, to do that for the next 24 months as everybody builds their projects and runs through that money? Or do you rely on securitizing and selling those construction loans to somebody else? And it's, you know, I, we're talking construction loans right now, but I'm talking jumbo loans. This is the same thing with jumbos. Jumbos dried up and went away. Today, every company you can think of is offering like a, at least an 85% um, no MI jumbo, oftentimes a 90% no MI jumbo. We couldn't even get a freaking 70% MI jumbo a few years ago. <laughs> Nobody wanted to do those. Um, and it was a gaping hole in the uh, lending world. And um, so it's just part of that natural thing is that these lenders sort of emerge from the shadows and say, we'll offer that. And then others say, well, suddenly no, when no one wanted to do it, it wasn't smart. But now somebody's like, well, we're not going to let you make all the money at that. And then that brings out the competition, which then refines the programs, creates some new interesting offerings, um, things that kind of keep it fresh and new and and that then is where we're fully restored and like i said before i'm i feel really excited that we're um well more than halfway there the the it's that initial getting getting going that um, we finally have now um, so it's only a matter of time and especially at the same time because you got to remember more and more time is going by with um just the general economy we're seeing better jobs. We're seeing the stabilization of real estate values. We're we're seeing a lot of just reasons to believe that it's it, that it is officially over. You know, um, so the more comfort everybody gets with that, the more we're going to see those program offerings. It's a uh, break time, ten twenty eight. We only got a half an hour to go. It's just fascinating how fast the time goes, huh? Jim's over there napping with Amazing his eyes open. how fast the time goes, <laughs> even at two hours. Yeah, I'm telling you. All right, we're going to do a commercial break. When we get back, we'll have another little run here at Mortgage Matters. Stick with us. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny yeah, specials on tonight, man. I can't and believe I, I love this special still. Yeah, that's I remember watching that as a kid. Yeah, I, I can't miss it, actually. Do they still honest. do the Charlie Brown Christmas? Is that something that makes it onto broadcast television anymore? Sure. I think it does. It, you can find it. Yeah. It's not quite the deal it was. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Brown had a lot of like dysfunction in it for the. It's not like the wholesome family entertaining. You know, the one I miss is the Little Drummer Boy. They used to show the Little Drummer Boy, and they don't show it anymore. Huh. I think that's kind of sad, actually. Maybe you should um, start a. Yeah. You could pick it. You could pick it. Get some other people together. So you got to find a. You got to find a platform to get uh, recruiting people that have that same problem you yeah. have, and then you guys could start. You know, hell, you know yeah. what? You could go yeah. looting. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the new form of protesting is. is to kick the door in yeah. of some uh, unsuspecting business, probably unrelated, in fact, yeah. and then you just steal oh, all their stuff, and yeah. that's how you like are we'll protesting. We'll you. just go to Egg CBS Studios or something. Like start throwing eggs out. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it was like I, uh, I yeah, should. 
That'll I, work. Good. I apologize. I please don't call me to start a debate about yeah. whether or not protesting and looting are They're the same thing. That. They're not showing little old drummer boy anymore, so we're gonna go break into businesses. <laughs> yeah, there we go. My, I apologize. Uh, I, it was my intention, however, of saying. Um, we're remiss this um i owe you all an apology the show here is a show for you guys and um in doing so answering your questions uh hearing your comments or um you know wanting to take the conversation in one direction or another that's what we want um i really do i love it when people call in with a real life question even if it begins so i'm i'm doing alone with wells fargo right now and <laughs> And they've got me, you know, with the right hand on the purple dot and now asking me to move the right hand to the red dot. And I only have one right hand. Um, if you're if you have any questions or concerns about, um, you know, anything related to your loan or uh, an investment property or a strategy, um, I thought we could we should do a whole show one day on just strategies of. Um, using lending for your own gain. Um, there's, it, it wouldn't be hard. I know. I mean, I, you don't look surprised or like, how would we pull that off? I, you know, we could, but I think for a lot of people having a mortgage is just kind of a thorn in their side and, um, don't, don't have a, a, a great plan other, you know, than just, I'm going to pay this 360 times until hopefully I'm still alive and cannot have a mortgage anymore. Um, but there are other, there are other things you can do. So anyways, if you guys have questions or comments or want to start a topic, by all means, call us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. 543-8830. That's the number to the studio. Dan was just going to uh, bring us up to speed on the 97s. Yeah, the program you talk, you were talking about right before the break was a big announcement this week that Fannie Mae is going to reintroduce their 3% down loan program. <laughs> um, so that's exciting news. And, and what it really means is that there's another option for the low down payment besides FHA. The uh, yeah, and by the way, this is a loan that that was around yesterday. Um, I say yesterday, I mean yesteryear. The ninety-seven percent program was one that was around uh, for quite a while. Um, it, it was idea basically is a, a low down payment option where you can buy a house with a minimal down payment, not have to get a first and a second. Um, also, because it's a Fannie Mae loan, you don't have a prepayment penalty or something else kind of bizarre about that that's going on. Um, so it was always a really good loan. Um, when the industry changed and values started declining and foreclosure rates were going up and we found ourselves in that season where... Um, like I said before, the, the sticks and materials, the parts of the house uh, were worth more than they were selling for. That's when every lender was like, you know, everybody needs a little more skin in the game and they got rid of the 97 program. So it just wasn't enough borrower into the money into the game, a little too high a risk, a little too uncertain, so it went away. And now it's coming back. And it's coming back, I think, for good reason. It's coming back because... Um, 
it's freaking hard to save a five or 10 or 20% down payment. It's a lot of money when you're talking, you know, we have people in town here that they make, you know, household incomes, $120,000 a year. And they're wanting to buy a house for $550,000. That's a kind of a modest house in San Luis, as crazy as that sounds. Um, you know, 10% down, it's 55 grand. That's a lot of money to save. And by the time you save it, the house is now 600 grand. So surprise, surprise, you need five more. It's a kind of an ever evolving thing. So this program allows somebody to buy that same house with like $15,000 down. Uh, that's a game changer for many people. And it's going to help allow first time home buyers an opportunity to buy. And that's what's good about the program. We've got Marilyn calling from San Luis Obispo. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Hi. Um, my problem is I've never understood what everything means in the stock market. I don't know what Dow Jones is or Standard & Poor's. <laughs> I hear all these. Uh, can you simplify some of those things, the terms? And then how does that relate to our interest rate on our mortgages. Okay. Now, you seem to be able to project it's going to go up or it's going to go down. Now, are these stupid questions? Because No, no, they're not stupid questions. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people don't really know. They hear the terms all the time, like Dow Jones, but don't really know what it means. Um, yeah, and, we... and the relationship between interest rates is something that is hard to... Um, hard to understand. They're, you know, really the only thing that interest rates are related to are mortgage-backed securities and where they're trading. Um, but there are other indicators that would give us clues as to what, wh where interest rates might be heading. So as far as Dow Jones, you know, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's a, it's an index basically of 30 stocks. Um, yeah, and it was created by ultimately by the Wall Street Journal in an edit in a, it kind of in an in an effort to have a group of companies that you could track and say that this batch of companies doing, you know, if it's going up or going down is going to have a pretty good indication of what's going on in the stock market. Um, it's and then what do you know about the S&P? S&P 500, so you've got a an index basically of 500 companies um, that, that comprise the S&P 500. And each of these different in indices have different requirements to belong to that group. So you, you're not, just because you're one of the 30 or 500 companies that belongs to one of these groups doesn't mean you're there indefinitely. You're, you know, you're not there until you cease to become a company. If you don't meet the financial uh, or market capitalization requirements to belong to those groups, then you get booted out and some other company that's up and coming gets to replace you. And the reason that we keep them separate and track them is that there are different companies participating at different times in the different markets and um, or part of the index rather that's tracking it. But it, one may be more representative of what's going on on American soil while one may have more of an international type of look or appeal. To tie it kind of full circle back to where you say, you know, how it relates to what the rate is on the house. Um, Dan's right. It's most closely related to the price of a mortgage backed security. So, and that just to dumb it all the way down is somebody that has a security built of mortgages 
and goes and takes it to market, what is it going to sell for? What is the person willing to buy it, willing to take or accept as interest along the way? Then we affect our own interest rate up or down a little bit um, to remain attractive or to um, add or reduce appeal to that particular um, investment vehicle over time. So there's there's an inferred relationship there. And, and usually what ends up happening then is like if you have the stock market, so whether it's the Dow Jones or the, um, the S&P 500 or whatever index it is you're looking at, if they're on one side of the teeter-totter, typically the other side of the teeter-totter then is the bond market where this is sovereign debt, bonds, um, treasury notes where – there you're not at risk of losing your principal the way you are in the stock you know you could buy a stock for a hundred dollars and find out two years later that it's worth 20 bucks and you made a terrible decision to buy that um, you could buy a bond for a hundred bucks and you're going to find out two years later that it's worth 101 bucks um, and so if we all are confident in tomorrow's bright future that the business environment is going to be such that companies will be making profits and doing great and um, will sort of find this just great economic strength. Usually you want to put your money into the stock market and and invest in those companies that are going to be making capital upgrades and increasing their distribution with the money or whatever it is they're going to do. You're sort of funding the prospect of their growth, whereas in the bond market, you're kind of betting that the economy is actually not going to be so robust. Uh, we're going to have um, slow growth and maybe even losses or a lot of volatility in the stock market. So you buy bonds knowing that you limit the return you're going to get to something not usually better than a CD rate, but your principal's not at risk. And so, and it's, yeah, it's a fixed rate of return and it's known. Yeah, it's predictable. And yeah, it, it, you're not going to find yourself without lunch. Um, and so, because we don't know whether tomorrow's bright or not, I mean, do you, can you really say with perfect certainty that next year the Dow is going to be higher than it, where it started or whatever? You really can't. So, most investors will have both in their portfolio some bonds for um, dependable income um, of a very predictable nature with zero risk of their um, principal going away. And then they'll have some stock investments where those stocks are picked because they're likely to increase, um, but minimizing the risk of their principal going away. But you got to know that it's there. So that that's why we talk about it and we worry about it. Um, All right, Marilyn, how did we do? I, oh, you guys did a marvelous job. <laughs> it's like you had the question a week in advance. <laughs> And you certainly simplified how I can understand it. I wish you taught a class about all this. <laughs> Maybe someday we will. Who knows? But I really appreciate it. And boy, I hit the right thing yeah. right on the button. <laughs> well, good. Thank you. And thank you. I appreciate your time answering. You betcha. I thought was a silly question. <laughs> no, that was a great question. I love it. Um, all right. Thanks. Have thanks. a good weekend. You too. Uh, we're not teaching a class today, but um, this is what we're teaching our loan officers. 
And this is what we're teaching our listeners. This is why we do the show is to take things that might appear abstract or too complex to discuss. Uh, you know, and honestly, Dan, uh, I, you're not an economist. You know, I'm not. It's not we're not alleging to be. Um, but this is the kind of thing where we've got the moving parts in our grasp well enough to discuss how it affects our industry. And it definitely makes us better at what we do that we're paying close attention to these things. And, um, you know, it, some clients come in, they're drawn to work with us because they know we have that high level of knowledge and care over the way these things work and use it to their advantage to get them into a, a better product or rate or even combination thereof. Um, there are some people that come in and don't care. They don't want to talk about any of that. Couldn't care less about what's happening in the stock market or whatever. So it's fun to have clients that run the gamut. Um, I like them all. I, I don't want every uh, client I have to be crazy intellectual or, you know, or engineer that wants to hammer over every detail nine times and have four contingency plans. Um, at the same time, I don't like the people that I know don't even read the loan disclosures that just robo sign the whole way through and then, um, you know, have curiosities and questions that they don't even care to address. I don't love that either. Um, the whole mix of it is what makes it fun for me. Why are you so, smirking at me? Just, you're like excluding people. So for those of you who fall into either of those categories, we've got other loan officers that would be happy to work with you. No, I, my point is I like all of the people. I don't want to be weighed, weighted too heavily in one side or the other. Most consumers, I think... I heard... I like you. I like you. You suck. No, that's kind of the way I picked up on it there too, Dan. You guys just seem to listen closer. So now you're in the latter category. <laughs> um, I really, though, point being is that um, I I do I like working with the whole gamut of people, no matter where on the spectrum you fall. Uh, but our desire is to convey to people that um, you're in good hands if you're working with us. And we are paying particularly close attention. Uh, and these things actually really do matter. Um, you know, one of the loans that I was able to do this week that was a, a cool success is that um, a realtor that I work with wanted to do his personal loan with me. And um, in in our getting going and, as, you know, kind of keeping track of the market and everything as it was going on able to we disclosed this loan at you know what was essentially a no cost transaction at four percent i was able to lock that um a, a week or so later because i knew what was happening in the market and i was watching it closely anticipating what was to happen we were able to lock this loan actually at 3.875 with no cost so that's a real life example of how it is where if you're paying close attention and you know what the difference from four percent to 3.875 this is a three hundred fifty thousand dollar loan it's like 26 bucks a month that eighth it's really not a big deal uh, but 26 bucks a month, I mean, that translates out to a few hundred bucks a year, which over the life of the thing is like 10 grand. Um, I, will he have the loan for 30 years? I doubt it. Who has a loan for 30 years? Um, but I pride myself in like doing the job right, doing it well. You know, that's I think that's at the end of the day what 
all we can really ask of ourselves and the people that we engage to work with is that you do your job the best you can, even if it is only 26 bucks. It's oh, a lot of money, isn't it? It can get you to Starbucks like three times. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, we owe the final commercial break here of the show to the sponsors. They help make this possible. If it weren't for them, you would be paying right now to hear this. So uh, stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. We had a great call from Marilyn. I really like those phone calls of, uh, you know, a question where we could help clarify something for somebody of a question that they thought was either wasn't worth it or, um, yeah, or just too complex to address. That one's not that bad. We, uh, we have just another 10 minutes here in the show. Um, Thought we would update you guys, too, as far as the holiday schedule goes for Mortgage Matters, for our loyal listeners. We'll be here next week for another live show. Mm -hmm. Following week, we're going to do a rerun. And then I think the week after that, too, right? No, we're going to be here for that one. We are? Yeah. That's not the New Year's one? It's the 3rd. Oh, January 3rd. Oh, well, never mind then. We'll be mm -hmm. here for that. Will we be here? I don't we know. We should be here. 
I'll be here. I mean, I'll be here. I guess I just in the the area, the it, local area. You'll be yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to have you in the studio if you're going to be here though. Yeah. January third. That makes it better to do radio. Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite so awkward as being out of the studio. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> oh, go figure. So, yeah, we're here next weekend. We're going to do a rerun the following, and then we'll be back on January 3rd with a live one. That's the plan anyway. Basically. Okay. Are you going to work on Friday? The second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. People want to get paid, so I might have to. Yesterday in the office, it was discussed whether or not we'd be open for the uh, Friday after Christmas. I said no. Those guys will have that day off. But then immediately they said, well, thanks. What about the second? And I was like, I don't know. That's too far ahead for me to plan. We'll ask Dan. Dan will tell us. Huh. I think if Dan has to come in, you ought to be like a team player and come in and help him. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Yeah. We see which side uh, he falls on here. <laughs> Misery loves company, right? <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, the next several weeks are, of business are always kind of challenging. Uh, my kids got out of school yesterday for several weeks. They they don't go back until like January fifth, uh, I think, is the day. Um, so I like to, you know, I usually drop them off for school in the morning. So then I'm a little bit slower out of the house. I get to actually like see my kids in the morning and have a normal breakfast where they're not rushing out. It's not like, did you brush your teeth? Put your shoes on. Did you get your lunch? Where's your backpack? I need you to sign my homework. You know, that's usually what the mornings are in our house. So it'll be, you know, it's always kind of gets you into that, uh, the slower mode a little bit for those few weeks anyway. And it'll be great to uh, have a little time off for the holidays. Looking forward to that. Did you ever find our holiday greeting? I have not. Huh. I don't know what Dan, what Andrew did with that. He huh. hasn't produced it yet. Maybe we'll see if we can get a produce and we can run it next weekend. Okay. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. All right. And during the week and stuff all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Several times an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just kick Dave Congleton off and just run it and run it and run it and run it. I don't know why Dave deserves a five days a week show <laughs> where like, I mean, if we could just move to like Monday or something, right <laughs> if we could move to like, <laughs> here's Dave calling right now. <laughs> if we could move to Monday, um, you know, then he'd have 20% more time off. Right. And then we could actually have Saturdays off would be fancy. Could you imagine That'd that? That'd be cool. It's been a long time. Um, the end know, of the year though is always a wild time in the mortgage business. There's this big push to get these financial transactions done oh, before yeah. the end of the year, but then we're juggling holidays and inconsistent yeah. schedules. Um, Holiday parties too. Yeah. Yesterday I so desperately needed help. And uh, one of the banks that we're working with on a loan is like, we're all leaving now to go bowling for our holiday party. And I'm like, Ah, oh, I'm glad you guys are doing something all together and all that. It is only 3.30 on a Friday, and I could desperately use, like, some help. So, yeah, it's it's tricky in the business where the schedules are rough. We're going to squeeze in one last call for the show. Nancy from Arroyo Grande. 
Hey there, Dan and Jason. Good morning. You guys did a great lo loan for me out here and on a VA loan in Arroyo Grande. You remember a year ago? Oh, yeah. Okay, now I know who this is. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Listen, I, I, I was searching your number. I had the number wrong, so I only know I got a couple of minutes here. It's a quick question. Since I had the VA loan and it was great, you guys pulled me through that beautifully. Um, I've been bombarded with notices about, you know, refinancing from all over the place. And, yeah. and I've ignored them because if I ever even considered it, I would go through you guys. But then I thought, and I saw your ad in last week's paper, and I guess today's, that there's about a half a point difference yep. than it was. I have a 3.75, and then I noticed your APR was 3.25 or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't, and I didn't even know if it was even worth considering what the cost and everything. It very well may be. I'll tell you what, there's a, um, the VA has a refinance program. That's pretty simple. Actually a lot easier for you than when we did your loan the first time. Um, yeah. they, they do have a mandatory savings that you have to make to meet it. And it's 5% of your total payment, but let's do this. You should call me this week so that I can look at it for you and we can say yay or nay. I'll tell you what yeah. though, my gut tells me not. I think you're yeah. I think yeah. 3.75 is still good, but yeah. it's great yeah. to hear from you. Happy holidays <laughs> and call me this week and we'll explore it and see if there's something we could do or not. And I always set my alarm for 9:15 to catch you guys and then I fall asleep again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could lull Thanks you to so sleep. <laughs> Thanks Nancy. Um Shoosh, out of time now. Um, yeah, if you guys have done loans with us in the past or done loans elsewhere in the past and you want to revisit this idea of what what today may hold for you, um, give me a call. Give us a call. We've got um, offices around the county to help you. They all ring with one simple number, which is 543-LOAN. Um, and then also go to the website and check it out. There's calculators on there too. So you can get an idea of what the interest rate for you might be on one page, pull up a calculator on the next, see how that changes your payment. Um, get your wits about you a little bit, uh, and then call us and we'll decide whether or not we can help you accomplish something. Um, the other thing too, guys is refinancing is not always just about getting a lower rate. Sometimes it's about shortening your loan term um, so you can retire sooner those kind of process that kind of planning those are things we love to do so give us a call 543-LOAN 543-5626 or go to the website uh, centralcoastlending.com uh, in either case reach out to us you'll be glad you did we are not a, a high pressure sales company that's just hammering people uh, we're just we're part of the helping squad so Thanks for being with us today. Thanks much for the phone calls we received. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters.